Hey, I'm Peter Medlin, and you are listening to Teacher's Lounge from WNIJ. And if this is your first time here in the show, good news, it's a really simple idea. We've all had teachers in our lives who helped shape who we are, and we want you to be a part of our show. Every educator that we have on this podcast, whether a teacher, a coach, a professor, is nominated by the folks who listen. So please tell us about the educators who've inspired you and the people in your community who deserve a spotlight. You can email us with your nominations at teacherslounge at niu.edu. And this week on the show, it is a rare returning guest coming back to the Teacher's Lounge. It's Rian Gibson. He's a school director of student and family services, and he's also a former school counselor and the author of the Diz Wiz series of children's books. And they are drawn from the most common issues that he heard from students as a school counselor. And the main character is also inspired by Rian's own son. He just published his fourth entry into the Diz Wiz series. This time it is Diz Wiz and the Crickety Critics. And Rian says it's his best yet and really feels personal to him as the book series takes off. You may see the dream very clear in your head and how you would like it to play out and how you would like it to be. And they may not see that. So instead of embracing your dream, they may criticize. And does that mean that you give up on your dream? Does that mean you continue to go and despite the criticism? Like I said, this is Rian's second time on the show, and I would highly encourage you to check out our first conversation from over a year ago if you want to hear about Rian's teacher origin story and how he got started writing books in the first place. But this time, we talk about the evolution of Diz Wiz, how social-emotional learning is crucial for both kids and adults, how writing books about fathers and sons has changed him as a father, and so much more. Now, before we jump into our conversation with Rian, we have an education story we think you should know about. Some science teachers are ditching long lectures in favor of hands-on experiments and classroom conversations. The method is called modeling, and I got to spend the day in a chemistry modeling class to learn how it works. Okay, so we're plugging in the blow dryer, not something that you see all the time in a chemistry class. North Boone High School sophomore Noel is blowing hot air onto a blue balloon. The balloon says, happy birthday, if you're curious. The hot particles are hitting the balloon, and then the particles inside the balloon are going to start moving around quicker because of that. And then after a little while here, they'll move faster and faster, and it expanded. That's how this class and all modeling classes work. Her teacher, Zena McFadden, doesn't stand at the front of class and lecture for an hour while students scribble notes with their heads down. They introduce a topic. Right now, this class is in a unit about gas laws and atmospheric pressure, but there will be no textbook definitions today. McFadden wants them to discover the material on their own. And as always, they jump right into a lab. And today, so do I. All right, do you need me to suit up? Do you need me to goggle and, and apron up? Typically, students experiment for three or four days, working in small groups on each lab activity. One of the other labs today involves a little marshmallow in a syringe. And the marshmallow also has a tiny smiley face drawn on it. We started at 15, it's like at a normal size. And then when we shrink it down to 15, the marshmallow shrivels up. But why? They think that the pressure is forcing air particles out of the marshmallow. But what is pressure? And what even are particles? These are basic questions McFadden wants her students to learn and know through experiments. There's even a banned word sign. You're starting out with nothing. That we see, this is where it starts. Words we use but can't yet explain, and we're not allowed to use them until <laughs> they can figure them out. So one of the first experiments of the year is simply so they can prove particles exist. All it takes is a can of Febreze. I spray some particles. They raise their hand when they smell them. Now that they've got that established, they can move forward. But there's another component to modeling, one that's just as important as the experiments. It's called whiteboarding. Once students finish their experiments, they draw their findings on a large dry erase board. Then they gather around with the classmates and present their explanations. The rest of the class asks questions, and together, they decide what conclusions they can draw. One class watched a video of a gas tanker that violently collapsed on itself. Now they're drawing and discussing their ideas on why that could have happened. I feel as if they had it backwards because if you look at it, there's not that many particles. Together, so right as the bell rings, they put together that air particles and pressure from the outside of the tanker must have been a reason why it imploded and not exploded. As they say in the class after each unit, this is the story so far. 
they reach their conclusion together, and the models they build will change as they learn new information and new vocabulary. Noelle, a sophomore, says modeling took a minute to get used to, but now she likes it a lot. After people got out of their comfort zones, I find it easier because you're not zoning out as much, and you're not hearing from the same person, so you're getting different perspectives. Phil Colcasey says that creating a comfortable atmosphere in your class is essential for modelers. He's a chemistry teacher at Wheaton Warrenville South, and he helps put on modeling workshops where they teach modeling to educators from around the world. In a normal class, kids feel pressure, much like that little marshmallow in the syringe, to only raise their hand and present ideas when they are absolutely sure they're right. Modeling wants them to take risks and be more vulnerable to learn as a group. I see my kids thinking more and asking questions more. And even though teachers like McFadden and Colcasey aren't lecturing all the time and feeding them answers, they're still guiding their students through each lesson. That's where the skill of modeling comes in is the kids really aren't on their own. We're pushing them through teacher questions to get them to the concept we want them to learn by knowing what's coming for, what's coming next. And modeling educators say that students engage and retain information better through modeling than in traditional instruction. Two of McFadden's old students even drop by the classroom and pick up right where they left off the year before on a lab about how Yeti thermoses work. We're moving and that's why it stays the same temperature. McFadden has only been modeling for a few years, but she says that the move has been liberating. And she loves that it's not a competition, it's collaboration, a skill that'll help them no matter what career they pursue. We got to listen to each other because everybody's ideas are important and and you you can't learn it without listening to somebody else. As they say in McFadden's class, this is the story so far. All right, now it's time for my conversation with educator and the mastermind behind the DizWiz book series, Rian Gibson. And we start off by doing an activity he liked to do as a school counselor. When you were a school counselor, one of the exercises you like to do is go through and ask the last two songs they listened to. So I wanted to start yeah. us off there. Can you can you remember the last two songs that you've listened to today or yesterday? Yeah, I can. What, what do you, what uh, you both of them were church songs. Both of them were church songs, though. You know, uh, one was Tasha Cobb's Here, and the other was uh, Jacqueline Carr, My Potion. My portion, my portion. There you go. Yeah. So, so we're feeling very spiritual. We're feeling very spiritual and motivated. You know, when I, when you when you're kind of like me, I'm always doing like five, six different things at all times. So sometimes that can take a toll on you. So whenever you're feeling a little low, you listen to that and you just get empowered and you just like reiterate your purpose and you're ready to take on the world again. Are you a big like affirmations person? Yeah, quotes, quotes is my, my thing, man. That's my go-to. Whenever I'm having a down day or something, I look at a quote and I'm like, oh yeah, it's time to take on the world. Oh, there you go. You know, if you've got a good quote for us, if you've had one over the last, you know, that you've been looking at recently, how about we end off with that? Give people like a nice motivating thing that we can send them off on. Okay. Sounds good. There you go. Sounds good. I like that. I, I, have to, I write a new quote on my office. Uh, I have a a board on my office and I write a new quote every day. I wish I would have remembered the one I wrote because it's my new favorite, but it, I don't know it, but uh, I'm sure I can come up with another one. Well, it's funny. I remember the la from the last conversation again we had that uh, there was a quote that you had that meant a lot to you and really like changed a lot of things for you as an educator of something that a kid said to you that was like the, uh, I wish someone would understand me the way that I understand myself. I can't tell you. I feel like I've, I've, I've told that quote to like, a handful of people <laughs> sense that because I think that's such like a exactly like motivating thing, especially for people that work in education, right? Yes. And when you have a SEL background, I mean, I just like, that's just really the key. We all want each other to, you know, we all want to be understood. You know, I think that's a real huge component to just human nature. For sure. Yeah. So, so I was thinking about the last two songs for me and I went back uh -huh. And it is uh, <laughs> such like a parody of myself with the stuff I've been listening to. I listened to a song called Sweet Nothing, which is, you know, full disclosure, a new Taylor Swift song that just came out. It's, cause it's, got, a uh -huh. it's got a really beautiful like piano uh, melody to it, like uh, electronic uh -huh. like keyboard to it. And over the last yeah. couple of years, I've been trying to teach myself how to play the piano. So I listened to it so uh -huh. I could go back and learn how to play that melody. And then... Uh -huh. The, the other one that I had, I literally, I looked at my Spotify this morning, and the other one was a, a song called Smile Away by Paul McCartney. So it's, it's a song mm. from the early 70s, like right after mm -hmm. he left the Beatles, he did an album called Ram that is about uh -huh. him, like, after just being the most famous person in the world for like a decade, retreating and getting this, like, cottage way out in the country where he can just be with himself and be with his family and try to, like, ground himself. And I was thinking about yeah. that. I was like, you know what? 
those do feel like pr- two pretty good encapsulations of, of how I'm feeling lately, you know, like trying to get yeah. out there. I, I love to be out in the wilderness. I love to go out like walking through the woods. And I feel like that's a very grounding thing for me, especially as someone that like, you know, works in the media and is looking at screens all the yeah. time. And then, you know, pursuing new hobbies and passions with playing the piano. I was like the two songs, like I could easily come up with exactly why those two songs and what they mean to me right now. <laughs> You know, it's funny. It's like every time we touch base, at least the last time we touched base, you amazed me because you remembered the questions that I asked. And, you know, and now, you know, it just you you always you never cease to amaze me. You know, oh, you, thank you, man. Talk about that again. And it's just like, you know, it's great to see like just those two things, like how everything can just come together, whether it's the music you listen to or your mindset and some of the affirmations you may just, you know, that, that may resonate with you. So that's pretty awesome, man. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, man. I really appreciate it. And uh you know, with the quotes and stuff, has that always been a thing for you? Or is that something that you took on when you were like an education leadership? Like, have you always been someone that looked at quotes like that? I think once I got into education, so like as a counselor and right. I'm starting to work with students, I'm trying to motivate them. Mm-hmm. It's when I started really uh, getting into quotes and started listening to Les Brown, Eric Thomas, mm-hmm. Tony Robbins. And then I just, from there, it was just a rabbit hole I have not <laughs> exited from. <laughs> so, yeah. I love that. Yeah, you know, it's... um. I, there's a, I'm trying to remember the quote, and I can't even, honestly, at this point, I can't even remember where it was originally attributed to, but I remember hearing it on a podcast years ago, and it's something that I always think about either professionally or personally, and I should, like, I should really like write it down somewhere, and the quote is, uh, confidence is knowing that you have options. Oh, confidence is knowing that you have options. And I, I like that. I, I, I think about that all the time, too. Again, like either professionally, if you're in a spot where you're like, I don't know what I yeah. want to do, but then you could take a step back and be like, OK, I know that I've got a bunch of different directions. I can pivot if I want to. And that's what, you know, confidence is, is not feeling like you're pigeonholed and you're stuck in one spot. And I was just going to say it's a huge difference between having options and being an option, you know? Mm. Yeah, that, that's deep, you know, because when you're you, when you're thinking of yourself as like, hey, you're being an option, it's like you know, someone can choose someone else. Yeah, it's you know? not empowering at all. Yes, yeah, it, you took it right out of my mouth. You're absolutely right, yeah, absolutely. So uh, it's great when you have like that mindset to where, you know, you you know you're gonna be successful. It's just a, a matter of when, not if. Right, it was speaking of confidence and knowing that you can move in different directions, like you said, mm-hmm. like you, things have changed a good bit for you. I know that you were, last time we talked, you were principal mm-hmm. at Little John, right? Yeah. Last time we talked, tell, give us an update with where you, where you at now? Yeah. So now I'm, I'm about an hour away from DeKalb. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a director of student and family services now. So, you know, I'll start off as a, and what's crazy. I was just talking to somebody about this yesterday. I was like, man, I, you know how, like you sit down, sometimes you're so busy and me, I'm like that rabbit. I'm just keep going. I keep going that I, I rarely have time to sit down and kind of reflect on how far I've come. So, Recently, I did a 180 degree pivot and I just looked back, right? And what I realized in the last five years, I've gotten three promotions. I've published four books. I've purchased a company. And like, I had a, had to have a friend, you know, remind me of all those things. Cause I was thinking about all the things I want to accomplish. And I'm like, man, I'm working towards this. I'm working towards this. And they were like, do you ever just sit back and just stop and say, Hey, this is what I've accomplished so far. And I was like, man, that was a head scratcher. No, I haven't done it in a while. And when I sat back and I thought about it, I was like, man, I've transitioned from a school counselor to an AP, assistant principal, went from assistant principal to principal, went from principal to director, you know, purchased the own company, made the four publications. I mean, it's just been, it's been, and now, oh man, there's so many different levels to the publications now because we went a, a whole different uh, direction. And I don't want to jump into the, to that part of the interview if we're not there yet, but you know, it's just, it's been amazing to see how much has been accomplished that I wasn't aware of until I sat back and just kind of start looking at, you know, the last five years. I know that, that the four pro that's like, that's not even like you're climbing the ladder anymore. That's like, you're on like several escalators going up in different directions. <laughs> exactly. You know? So it's like, you know, and I think sometimes as people, we don't give ourselves credit for all the work that we are doing. Sometimes like, I know this is a big part of me. I was looking at all the things I want to accomplish, you know, the things I don't have scratched off on my goal list that I didn't even, I neglected all the things that were already scratched off. So, well, it's like you said, with, you know, it was, it took a friend for you to, to highlight that and be like, look at all that you've accomplished. I think that that's the case for everyone. I think that like, we're really mm. not trained to believe 
these things when we hear them from ourselves a lot of times. And, you know, sometimes it takes those SEL lessons to be able to, you know, hear that stuff from ourselves. But I think about that all the time. And I'm, I'm always telling people in my life that like, Again, I'm especially in like journalism, like you're always on to the next thing, on to the next thing, on to the next thing. And like with this yeah. podcast, I'm always trying to like make sure I have episodes in the bank, make sure I'm scheduling <laughs> things. And, you know, I, I still catch myself. Sometimes I lay down at night and one of the first things I think of is, do I have the next thing taped? Oh, my God, are we going to have something for the next episode? And then yeah. it, it really takes me to be like, you've been doing this for three years and you've never missed an episode like just you know, yeah. look at the scoreboard. You're gonna be fine. It's it's really taken me a while to get to that place, though. Yeah, sounds like you're a lot like me, you know. And I think that's where our commonality is. I think so and, too. You know, I'm I'm gonna speak something into existence. Mm. You know, I look forward to when everything takes off and we're where we need to be and we're all established. I'm talking about financially, where we have that platform. I look forward to having an interview with you and talking about the pathway from when we started. So where we're at then, I'm looking forward to that. Turn the tables on me, please. Yeah, so, you know, when everything is just, you know, best-selling author, all this happens, professional development provider, when we're doing all this, you know, I look forward to coming back and having a conversation with you and just, you know, having those, you know, talking about where we came from. You know, just just schedule the Zoom interview now for this day, five years (laughs) from now. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Because I'm ready, man. I'm ready. I see see it happening. And, uh... It's just beautiful. It's really beautiful. It is so so you're director of student family services. Did I get that? Yes, sir. Yeah. So like what is so, that what does that look like on a on a day-to-day basis for you? How different is it from being a principal? I imagine it's pretty different. Oh, it's it's astronomically different. You know, principal, you're just worried about that one building. You're worried about all the students, everything just everything in that building is yours. Whereas as a director, I got to worry about the district. You know, if you're a, a social worker, if you're a counselor, you know, it's my responsibility to provide you a professional development. You know, I'm the McKinney Vento liaison for my district. You know, I do a lot of with truancy. So, I mean, going from a building lens to a district lens has just kind of changed my perspective of education and kind of gave it a more holistic uh, sound of understanding or sense of understanding. Do you feel like in your position now, because like you said, you're working, you got your hands in so many different things, you're wearing a bunch of different hats, you're doing the professional development and stuff. In my mind, when I think about like the day-to-day of being a principal, I think of it as like, you know, very reactive in that like, I'm putting out these fires, I'm making sure people have the resources, I've got the next thing in front of me, the next thing in front of me. Do you feel like in this role, you're able to like, think a little bit more proactively and holistically? Yes, in July, we were planning for winter. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, yeah, so because you gotta you gotta be thinking way ahead. Like we're already thinking about you know what our spring uh, opening up session, you know our big PD like kind of institute day, what that's gonna look like. You know who we should have. You know what are our staff's needs? Um, what are social workers and uh, counselors really lacking? You know far as like a resource or whatever it may be. So it, it's just it's it's really it's a whole different lens that you got to see it from, and you always got to be forward thinking because they're gonna reach out to you. And you're kind of the end all be all. Like, you know, if you're a principal, you're like, oh man, I don't know this answer. Let me reach out to my district. Guess what? I'm district. So now if I don't have the answer, you know, I got to figure it out and reach out to other sources. But, you know, it's been a, a huge uh, shift in my perception. Are you able to, are you in classrooms very much or how often do you get to go out and do that? Oh, I'd say oh, you yeah. got to. I got to because, like I said, I'm a very social person, like, you know, and although, like, I love the director role, I love being around adults, I miss the students, man, you know, because the students, the quote I got about education and being honest, that was from a student. So to me, that's where my foundation is. That's where I'm rooted. So I always, I was just in the classroom yesterday, you know, doing an observation, you know, and it's just great to be a resource, you know, see what, you know, what what difficulties they're having um, far as like, you know, classroom management or, you know, what things are doing extraordinarily well. So it's pretty cool. Well, it's funny, too, because I, I, I talked to so many educators on this show who are you know transitioned from classroom teachers to leadership positions. And I always think it's mm-hmm. so funny, too, because like one of the things that usually like everyone falls in love with being a teacher because they fall in love with, you know, building those relationships and yeah. what being a classroom yeah. teacher is. And then they're like, okay, I want to affect even more kids. Like, how can I make even bigger of an impact? But then it forces them to leave that and not be in front of the kids as much. And so I'm always curious, like, how people are able to, like, reconcile that and also keep themselves grounded to, like, who we're really here for, you know? Yeah, 
Yeah. And to me, the way I do it is just, you know, you, you got to keep, you got to keep touching base with the grassroots. Yeah. You know, I was, it was funny. <laughs> I was in the uh, lunchroom yesterday uh, with, with the students, like I said, and uh, they don't know, they didn't know I could juggle. So I was in there juggling, man, you know, I don't, I think you just got apples and chocolate milks. milks. What are you juggling? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I, had, I had three juggling balls that day. I, I was doing pairs prior to that, but they were like, you know, um, they had never seen it before. So it's great to just see students who see a, a district leader, in a role where they just like, they warm up to them. They're like, oh man, that's pretty amazing. And you know, I'm hoping that they, you know, maybe they inspire. I know education has took quite a big, a, a big hit of, you know, people maybe leaving education. So maybe hopefully we inspired a few uh, students from the future generation to become educators. I hope so. So has, what, what's been the most either rewarding or the most interesting part about this transition to this new role for you? Rewarding, I would say rewarding. The most, the the most rewarding part is being at McKinney Vento liaison. Man. Right, and for people that don't know, that has to do with with uh, students that are experiencing homelessness and, and things like that. No. Yeah. So so being able to get them, you know, the the, the resources they need, so that way they could be uh, effective in school, whether that's school supplies, whether that's clothing items, whether that's you know uh, shelter and housing resources, and being a resource to their families, you know, making sure they got transportation to and from school, like the little things, you know. Um, I was watching this podcast, and there was this guy talking about he was from nigeria hmm. and he was talking about and he just gave his, his his perspective just gave me a whole made me so grateful um but he was talking about how when he went from nigeria to america he was just blown away by the education system he was like you mean to tell me like in my country i have to have money to go to school like you know only the rich you know kind of get to be educated he was like well, where you tell me if i go to america if i stand on this corner there's gonna be a yellow bus that drives past and it's gonna pick me up for free take me to school for free and then bring me home for free and there's books in the school that i can take home with me for free and it totally made me realize like man i was taking a lot of things for granted that i probably didn't take for granted and i was like man that's just a, a very humbling uh experience just to see you know um just the things that we should be grateful for in education especially american education absolutely it's a huge perspective shift Yes. Yes. Yeah. And with the McKinney Vento stuff, too. I mean, like, you know, maybe six months to a year into the pandemic, we did a story. I interviewed a bunch of people that worked with, you know, McKinney Vento in different districts across Illinois. And they were telling yeah. me about just how the big of an issue that was during the pandemic of how much more difficult it made it for those districts to even find and, and like locate students yeah. that experience homelessness and make sure that they have those resources. So like, especially now, those roles are probably even more crucial than ever as they're trying to get kids, you know, back in it. And then, you know, when you think about it, just inflation, you know, yeah. the, the price of rent, the housing, you know, I mean, there's, it's really, really difficult to afford, you know, yeah. some, some places for people, you know, um, it, it's just, you know, it's, it's a real humbling experience. And like I said, it gave me a grateful lens. Um, I'm thankful that, you know, I don't have some of the um, barriers in my way that maybe some may encounter. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and like the last time that we talked, again, you were in a different role, and now you're, I think that last time we talked, you were two books in, I want to say, to to the DizWiz series. I think that we're four in now? Yeah, we're four in now. I just released the fourth one, October 24th. And and not only are we four more books in, but uh, or two more additional books since the last time we met, but there's a whole different perspective now, Peter. I'm telling mm. you, like, we took it from just like, okay, these are SEL lessons or, you know, concepts that we put into the book. So you're going to get a, a moral lesson from each story. Right. But also what I did was I took the eight themes, you know, from my school counseling. When I was a school counselor, the people who came down to my office, I took the eight most common reasons that they came down to my office and I put them in publications. And now what I'm doing is I just released a fourth publication. Now a workbook is coming out in January. So now um, you'll have all your SEL activities, your SEL think sheets. So now you'll have a like, you know, volume one consists of the four publications plus the workbook. So all of the publications kind of like sync together. Yeah. And now not just a book it becomes like an activity so now you have like you could read this whiz and now you got 
you know, student think sheets. And now you got parents think sheets associated with it. So long after you read the book, you can kind of be embedded in the moral in your life and to have deeper conversations with your parents and things like that. So to kind of build those relationships. And also it serves as like a, a resource for school counselors and social workers who are looking for group curriculum. Because, you know, these are the themes that they're going to face be faced with quite a bit. So Right, yeah, because I know that you are like full steam ahead on the DizWiz, not only with the books, but like you said, like with you've got a publishing company now, you're doing professional yeah. development, all these activities along with it. It's It's been a lot. It's, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Uh, the My most memorable moment was, uh, I think, have you ever heard of NSLS, National Society of Leadership and Success? Mm-mm. No. They put me on their uh, February. They started me off the February with one of our interviews and they have like thousands of supporters on Twitter. They have like a blue check or something like that. And uh, man, I ended up after that interview, I had a, like a, a army veteran. He was like a 20 year army veteran sent me the longest email and it was the most touching email I've ever like received from like feedback. Uh, just like, you know, what we're doing. And uh, really touched me and kind of reiterated and kind of reignited my passion for doing what I'm doing. And, uh, you know, I mean, it was just that was just one of the most memorable moments uh, since I think the last time we've touched base. And, uh, you know, being able to go to like schools like Harold Washington College or City College of Chicago and talk to them about following their dreams or give them. I was on part of their wow um, event, which is words of wisdom and talk to their students about, you know, following their dreams and uh, bringing the things that they see in their mind to fruition. So it's it's a blessing. It's a real true blessing. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about it. It's like, so like, obviously like leaving your job as a principal and like going full steam ahead on the publishing company and all the Diz Wiz stuff is like really like a leap of faith. And I was like, I'm sure at some point during those process, there's like a moment or two where you start, the, the doubt starts to creep in. And I was thinking about like, the Diz Wiz books are so much about, you know, motivation, social, emotional skills. And I was thinking about, like, do you think just having written those books and, like, really taken those themes to heart helped you, like, come to that decision and helped you, like, make that leap of faith? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know? And honestly, like, one of my favorite quotes, and I'm not trying to get too uh, religious or anything, but... Hey, my, my, my brother's quotes. a Lutheran pastor. You can get as religious as you want to. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You know, um, one of my favorite quotes is, uh, coincidences are God's way of remaining anonymous, you know? And uh, I've always thought about, like, you know, it's a coincidence that a school counselor changed my life, and I became a school counselor, you know? And then I started talking about, you know, like how I wrote my first book, in 2018, but it didn't get published to 2020. So I had to persevere through that. I went through four different illustrators. I was looking, you know, everywhere and how I ended up getting it published was a coincidence, you know? And it was just like, everything just came together and just like aligned so perfectly that, you know, I can't take credit for it. Like I have to give it to God because, you know, um, even when it comes down to some of these professional development opportunities, you know, um, it's just been, like I said, like it, it you go, you, you're just doing what you do passionate or what you're feeling passionate about, then all of a sudden, you know, you get an opportunity and that opportunity turns into more opportunities. And you're like, wow, if I wouldn't have been in this one place at this one time and just happened to bump into this one person, I would have never had all these other, you know, things fall in front of me. So, you know, um, it's really brought me a lot closer to faith. And um, now when I uh, see hard times or, you know, I, I see something that's disappointing and discouraging, I know it's just a moment in time and then we're going to weather that storm. We're going to come out a lot stronger. And I do believe that all things work together for the good, you know, of you. So, you know, I'm big on that. It just reiterated my faith, really. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. One of the things I really loved about Diz Wiz and that first conversation we have is because it's like, it's so much about fathers and sons and that yeah. relationship. And about, I remember you talking about how like you didn't feel like there were that many, especially, you know, books for kids that are about yeah. fathers and sons and it's like I and especially since that first Disney Wiz book was like tangentially baseball related and like you know that's a that's a passion that my father and I share and that like I'm so close mm-hmm. to my dad and I remember him you know reading those books to me as a kid and so it was I always thought that was that was so cool and I remember us talking about like you know that uh like fishing is a big thing for for you and, and for your son too right yeah. And so yeah. I, I was thinking about it, like, you know, over the past couple, you know, you wrote the first one in 2018. So it's been, you know, four years or so. I was I was curious, do you feel like, you know, writing these books and thinking so much about like father son relationships? Do you think that it's changed you like, as a father? 
Oh, absolutely. You know, I think um, I look at things more holistic now, mm. you know, like I, I'm very intentional with how I parent. And what I mean by that is like, I make sure I tell my son every day he's smart and I don't do it just because, you know, it's, it's smart, but him hearing that every day is going to embed that deeply in him. So that way, you know, if someone ever questions your intelligence, you've already had that solid foundation that you have, you know, that you're a very smart person. You got that from, you know, the person that you have a strong bond with. So I do a lot of things intentionally, you know, just to make sure that he has certain skills um, to be effective, you know, especially when you're an administrator, you know, as a principal, I looked across my desk at a lot of different students, you know, in situations where they could have made some better choices. So I try to use those moments to instill in him so he doesn't make some of those same mistakes. Have you guys been on any any cool fishing trips or other kind of trips lately? Hey, he caught his first uh, big bass hey. uh, a few months ago. <laughs> and uh, I, I was, you know, and the funny part about it is he caught a big bass. I didn't catch nothing that day. So he was trying to tell me how to fish. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. And the roles have switched. So it was kind of cool. But yeah, man, I, I'm big. And it's great when you get to put your life. Like to me, I look at the Dizwiz series not as just like a, a business or like a, a book company or whatever. I really look at it like my legacy because all these skills, like I said, these were the common themes that I had to deal with in school counseling. So long after um, I'm gone, you know, all these things are still going to be very relevant. So I feel like this is my way of leaving a legacy behind so that way others can still benefit from the knowledge I gain in life and hopefully don't make some of the same mistakes. Yeah, for sure. And it's just like, genuinely just like a really cool and fun thing that your son has too. I remember you telling me about how like he's got the, the like life-size Dizwiz plushie and everything. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, you know, that it's definitely a, a, like I said, a blessing. I was able to gift his teacher uh, the new publication. So I was like, hey, you know, it was her birthday maybe last week or something. So I, I did gift her uh, the the new Dizwiz and the Crickety Critics, which is actually has become my favorite publication, honestly. Why, why is that? Because uh, honestly, it just really resonates with me deep down inside. Like, you know, when you think about just anything in life, you know, whether it's just, you know, if you want to be school counselor, if you want to be a principal, whatever it might be, sometimes you're going to speak your dreams out and they're not going to resonate with the people who hear them the same way that they resonate with you. And with that being the case, you know, you may see the dream very clear in your head and how you would like it to play out and how you would like it to be. And they may not see that. So instead of embracing your dream, they may criticize it. And does that mean that you give up on your dream? Does that mean you continue to go and despite the criticism? So that's what that book is kind of all about. And it just really resonated with me. And um, in anything in life, you're always gonna have to deal with criticism. You know, especially if you're doing something unique. I don't know anyone um, personally that has done a social emotional learning series or anything like this. So this is completely new to me, completely unique to me. So, you know, sometimes you're going to, and then if you just set a, a leadership role, you're going to have to endure some criticism and you got to learn how to endure that and still be positive and look at the good of the common good of the whole. So to me, this book just kind of piecemeals all that together. And it just really was like accumulation of everything I've been through. Um, you know, because whatever you're going to accomplish, you're going to have some tumultuous moments. So, you know, and this was kind of seeing that story was just. Yeah, I could like, see why at this point in your trajectory, a book about following and chasing your dreams would feel especially relevant. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, because it's not always feel because some people look at the accolades and they look at the accomplishments and things. and They're like, oh, man, life is great. And what they don't know is that sometimes you get applauded in public for what you practice in private. And a lot of times what you're practicing in private, you know, or what you may be doubting yourself, you know, you may have others may doubt you, you know, and it, and sometimes that, that starts to ink into who you are. And if you are leading with that thought, then you may shortchange yourself on your vision. So sometimes, and that just goes back to my faith, whenever I ever feel myself doubting myself, you know, I instantly get back into the word, get back into a motivational song, because I know that doubt can easily germinate into me not um, achieving my dream. And I can't allow that to happen, you know? Yeah. And that's where you got to remind yourself that you've got options, you know, that's where you get that, you yeah. know, that confidence too. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I think I'm going to be, I'm going to be saying that quote all day today. I got options because that, that's so true. Yeah. And then aside from the Diz Wiz stuff, you got even more books in the works right now too. You got some, yeah. some ones that are more geared towards adults too, right? How have, how have you found writing for, for that audience versus this one? Is it, has it been a, a different process of, of your writing? Has it felt natural to transition to that? What's it been like? 
you know, it's really been a streamline because a lot of this, a lot of my uh, publications, I dig for my life. Yeah. You know, um, a lot of the it, or my experiences, you know, as a counselor. And it's funny that you know, we're t- talking about like just how sometimes some of the skills that you attain professionally ink into your personal life. Like, because as a counselor, one of the best skills that they taught me in, in school counseling was to be able to put my point of view on the table and listen to someone with a neutral mindset. And that has helped me not only in professional realms, but in personal realms. Like if you got a relationship and you're arguing, mm-hmm. you're like, okay, what's your point of view? And you just like, you get so much information. Like you're like, you know what? I never even thought of it from that perspective. And then you're like, oh, I can see how you, you know, why that might've got you to react that way. So, you know, it's great to see how some, like I said, some of those skills you can continue to use in your real life. And that's just like the publications, you know, they sound just like, <laughs> and adults need that too, right? Adults need yeah, to be yeah, social exactly. and emotionally mature too, even if they don't think of it in that way. Or maybe, maybe people yes. might think of it as like, I don't know, you know, like, I think that like books that are motivational, whether it be like your Tony Robbins or whoever it is, are, it's not quite taboo, but like there's a very specific kind of person that wants to seek out those books. So if you can, you know, instill those lessons in a, in a book that is, you know, maybe not necessarily like, you know, airport motivation, then I feel like that could be something that would be easier to digest for an audience that maybe otherwise wouldn't intentionally seek those things out, you know? Absolutely. And, you know, think about it as adults, you know, if we didn't strengthen the deficits we had as kids, they don't just go away because you turned 18. <laughs> you keep them as deficits in, fact, in adult. A lot of times they get amplified as you're an adult, right? Yes. And being the fact that you are adult and chronologically, you can have a starring opinion. You don't feel like there's a need to change because no one, you know, either you don't feel like there's a need to change or no one's pushing you to change. But it's hugely imperative. Like, I mean, this can impact your whole family. Like this can have a familial change. You know, if you repair some of those deficits, I'll give you an example. If you are a person as a, as a kid that maybe you didn't embrace accountability and now you're an adult and you still have a tendency to deflect accountability, you know, if you were to embrace it, you will probably see a, a life-changing uh, impact take place. You know, you will probably see, you know, your significant other, begin to embrace you in a different way. Your family embrace you in a different way. Because, you know, um, I think some people don't think of it like that. They just think that, hey, you know, I don't like this or I don't, that's just who I am. And it's really not who I am. It's a mechanism that has worked for me up until this point. Right. You know, it's, yeah, it's not make- even like an insult to them. It's just for whatever reason, they didn't have the tools to learn yes. those things at a younger age. And I think that's the thing that people might think of it as like an attack on, on them as a person yes. when it's not at all. Absolutely. Money management is a huge one, you know, especially think about it. When you get your first check as a teenager, you're like, oh, man, I'm about to go make it rain. We're about <laughs> I'm about buy. to go to GameStop, 70 <laughs> bucks, take it all. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and now it's like when you're adult, if you don't, you know, start being forward thinking, you know, then sometimes you might have some of those same spending habits. And then, you know, you're in a cycle of, you know, not being successful. So, right. And that. Yeah, and so. it definitely helps when you have people in your life that can point those things out to me. I think about even like in my relationship, right? Like I started dating someone who was like had a lot of experience with you know therapy and with kind of more social mm-hmm. emotional learning and, and thinking about that in that type of mindset. And every once in a while, they just point something out, and you're like, oh. Yeah, no, I guess you're right. I guess that was kind of a deficit that I should yeah. think about. But just like I would, like you said, you just think about that's who you are and you just think, yeah. oh, that, that's just how it's been. Or, oh, yeah, no, that was an issue, but that was something that I worked through. And it's like, no, you experienced it, but you didn't really work through it. <laughs> exactly. And to be receptive to a different point right. of view. Yeah. I really think that, you know, um, because right now, you know, society is hugely polarized, you know, it's whether you're this party, that party, whatever it may be, you know, honestly, you know, if we just sat down and had like open conversations, because I think it's all based on perspective. Maybe you're only looking at X, Y, Z, and you may be overlooking, you know, LMNOP. And now that you know that, now you have the whole alphabet in context and you're able to make a, you know, more sound decision. But I think that 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 communication, that's why it was really important for me to do student think sheets, parent think sheets, yeah. because I'll, I'll give one of the think sheets away. Okay, so one of the questions on the Dizwiz speaking into existence, one of the activities. This is big. They're getting this for free right now. So people got to yeah. appreciate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh, one of the questions on there uh, for parents, like when Diz Wiz was getting drove to school uh, by Papa Diz and Papa Diz asked him what's wrong and he didn't tell him the truth. You know, one of the questions on the parent think sheet is like, how do you encourage your, 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 your child, you know, to how do you keep an open avenue basically for your kid to bring you things that may, you know, be sensitive, you know, to them. So like if a kid knows they're going to get in trouble, but they have that open, you know, line of communication it just gives parents that ability to think like, you know, how am I keeping avenues open? Because as a parent, you definitely want your kid to bring you everything. But also as a parent, I know that everything you bring me, some of them are going to have to have consequences. So how can I balance that? So that way you could feel supported and you don't have to hide things from me, especially, you know, when you're young and you may be getting information from someone you trust, but it may not be the correct information. So it kind of opens up that layer and kind of allows parents to kind of have those conversations within a household, which I think is extremely important. Right. It's like a self-reflective thing too, where it's not just, you know, like my kid, you know, lied to me in the car, what's wrong with them? It's a little bit like, yeah. okay, look at myself in the mirror. Maybe I'm not, you know, maybe they, they don't think of me as someone that they can trust with that information, you know, and why is that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And what can I do to fix that? Yeah. Because you know, at the end of the day, I want them to be able to. I can't, you know, and that relationship between mom and son or father and son, whatever it may be, like that never goes away. I still have situations that are new to me when I'm like, you know what? Let me give my mom a call. So I'm glad <laughs> she's had those, you know. Um, Solutions. Solutions like, are yeah. good. <laughs> exactly. You know, um, so it's, it's a great way to just, you know, get parents. And like I said, um, get parents to kind of think about some things outside of the box. They're like, oh, no, it's just a kid's book. But all of a sudden they're thinking about ways that they can help their kid, you know, bring them things that are important to them as well. For sure. Yeah, I was curious about your writing process. I was listening to an interview with you and and you mentioned that you, at least uh, part of the first DizWiz book you wrote, you like started writing it on, on your phone notes app, which is, so again, I think that, that we have a lot in common because I was thinking about that. I was like, man, he really added me with that one because I've got like a thousand different pages on my notes <laughs> app of just like, you know, random story ideas, different lists of yeah. things that I've read and everything. And I was like, but I, I was curious for you, like how over the past four years or so, not even just like, oh, I've moved from my notes app to like a Google doc, <laughs> but like, how do you feel like that you, yeah. you've changed and evolved just like as a writer? You know, I think... I'm starting to get more creative in writing. Like this, like I said, the, the crickety critics, it's my favorite. So I'm a little biased, but it's, you're allowed to, you, ever, you wrote it. <laughs> have you ever watched one of those movies where in the beginning of the movie, you see something and it doesn't seem like it's significant, but then in the end of the movie, you get to see like, Oh man, that's, so I went there with this one, like how it ends, you know, it just kind of ties all back to the beginning, which, you know, to me, it just allowed me to be a lot more creative. So I felt like, you know, I really got in the trenches with this one. Like it really came from the core. Like I really was like one with this writing. I was just like, okay. And how everything tied into each other. And now like, cause a lot of times people say, um, SEL is kind of secondary to, to academics or if we're, we're promoting SEL, sometimes people are like, ah, you know, yeah, but what does that have to do with academics? You know? And so what I did was I, and I'm kind of giving away some of the, the worksheets, but what I did was I call this focus reading, right? Because I write books. So I call it focus reading. So for the higher readers, right, that are really good, I intentionally put some mistakes in the last two uh, books. So that way, if you're a focus reader, you will catch those mistakes. But if you weren't, you wouldn't. And you wouldn't even know they exist. And you probably wouldn't until you see the workbooks and you go back and you'd be like, oh, there's that's what's missing or that's this or you know I, I put a little a little little uh, a little error in a in a in an illustration or something and now we get to see okay you might have read the book but were you really focused on did the did the illustration match the words and now you can have deeper dive and you know deeper conversations on a, a literature based uh, level you know so that way you can I call it focused reading but you know the language arts teacher may call it just paying attention whatever they mean. <laughs> I call it I like the term focus reading but I think that when they're reading it is with you know they might go they not only get the moral lesson from it but now you get to try to figure out okay is this mistake here intentionally or purposely okay and now you know it ties into some of the things in the workbook so now you're able to kind of read a lot on a, on a on a deeper level and at the same time ascertain a moral from the story do you go back you, like in the back of the book or in the workbook and be like i did that on purpose i know what i'm doing here <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly you know some are gonna be like oh what is this that, that you know this is different you're like ah oh, 
That's Who is this Rian Gibson guy making mistakes in his book? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And they'll never know. And that that encourages them by the workbook. So you get to see how everything ties together, how it all has an educational component. And ultimately, it just really is rooted to make people um, get some skills that are going to make them more effective and more uh, fruitful in life. And that's what it's all about, right. making people, you know more successful yeah that's what i think about when i think of the like sel and social emotional lessons right is think of it like okay people might say okay well what about you know the academic part about what about the test scores what about the math and the language arts and stuff it's like in my mind at least and you tell me how you kind of think of this but i think of it as almost like a house right like you're trying mm -hmm. to build this this house for them as you know you're trying to build up this student as like a complete person you know functioning yeah. emotionally member of society but we got to uh -huh. have a foundation and that I feel like that social emotional stuff and just, you know, being aware of all those things and emotions and having all those and understanding that is like the foundation that you can then build the house on. You can try to build up, you know, the, the academic part of it. But if there's something wrong at home or if they're having issues elsewhere, that stuff's not going to go up very easily. Very much so. I look at it like SEL is that foundational sort of the floor is that SEL you know, but the pillars are academics, you know, when those pillars are in place, you know, they give strength to everything that you're going to build on top of that, you know, so if I'm financially savvy, that's all. but if I were to take the pillars away or the foundation away, nothing can be built on academics and uh, so SEL go hand in hand. I just, I'm glad that uh, the pandemic put SEL at the forefront and now, you know, we get the make sure that we're asking ourselves questions like, you know, what are some ACEs that students may be experiencing, which is adverse childhood experiences and things like that. Do you think that we're sticking with it? Cause that was one of my like concerns with, you know, when, when we're trying to rush everyone back and, and make sure that people are back in the classroom and get used to, you know, academic rigor and be like, Hey, remember we got to You got to turn in your assignments at this date. And, you know, we're not going to be as lax about it this year. We're trying to get back in the groove of things. I was like, I hope that we like, as like social emotional learning was like such a huge part of the conversation over the past couple of years. I hope that it's like, I hope people are sticking with it. You know what I mean? I, I don't see it going anywhere, honestly. I don't see it going anywhere just yeah. because you, when, when behaviors are at the forefront of things, you know, mm. and behaviors align with SEL, you know, and that, that's been something that a lot of people are trying to address. Like, you know, students had like almost a year out of school and now how can we transition them back, you know? And then they have, you know, you might have lost parents. You might've went through, you know, a lot of things due to COVID, maybe lost a house or whatever it might be, you know? And uh, so I don't think SEL is going to be going anywhere. I think it's just going to get magnified and amplified and, you know, it's going to be probably even killed with academics uh, pretty soon. The next few years, I say next five years, it'll be on a level playing field with academics. Interesting. Last question that we'll, that we'll end you off for before we get to the quote to finish off. It, we might have answered this throughout the course of our conversation. I, I just I like to end all my interviews on this question, which is like, you know, what's something about Diz Wiz and about social emotional learning that you just wish more people knew about? Something that you just think is more important than people might realize at first glance. Mm -hmm. uh, actually, there's that, that's a that's a very uh, loaded question because mm -hmm. it's, it's layers to it because it depends on what perspective I'm looking from it. If I'm looking from an SEL uh, perspective, I really think it's the morals that's are better than the stories, you know. Um, when you when you look at the the books, but I also think if you look at it from a diversity or social justice standpoint of it, it's great to see um, the characters, you know, with different representations throughout. So I think that's huge, especially for, you know, all students to see themselves in leadership roles. And I was thinking about like Hungry Charlie, you know, um, every, have you ever watched a Feed the Children commercial? Feed the Children's commercials? Maybe. I, if it, I might've seen it. I'm not sure. Okay. Well, they, they usually just have them. It's like they go to, you know, areas where the, the countries maybe, uh, maybe third world and they're kind of, you know, very poor. You know what yeah. I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah, yeah for they, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So every time I've watched a Feed the Children's commercial, I've never seen a Feed the Children's commercial where there was like an African-American helping a white kid. I always saw it the other way, where it was always white uh, 
person helping like, you know, African-Americans or wherever they may be. Yeah. So in Hong Harley, I got the opportunity to flip that. And, you know, so I think that's really good for kids to see, because if minorities can see themselves in roles that are, you know, leadership roles or in roles where they can be the helper, then that encourages them to want to be a helper and not just be on the recipient end of receiving that. Help. Well, and you see like uh, research study after study about how much of a big difference it makes for students to have, you know, a at least one black teacher, let alone, uh, you know, a black male teacher, which again, I, we quote this statistic all the time because of how absurd it is. It's like, well, like 2% of the teacher workforce are black men or something like that. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a pretty low percentage. I know, uh, in quite a few districts I've worked at, you know, I've probably been maybe the, especially when it comes down to leadership, I may be the only one, you know, um, as a building leader. So, yeah. And, and I think about it even like, you know, especially since you're writing, you know, like this whiz is for a younger student audience and i'm thinking about like my own experience in school uh, not even like uh having a, a black male teacher but having a male teacher <laughs> at all <laughs> i think i was in like fifth or sixth grade before i even knew of a single male teacher at that point and was it a PE teacher was it, it a PE actually teacher? was not that, uh, that's what i mean it was okay. it was actually okay. like a fifth grade teacher but yeah most of the time that, that you see him it would be a pe teacher and i grew okay. up you know obviously in a very rural area it's like very wow. very white i don't think that we had like a black teacher until i might have been in college before i had a black teacher you know yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's just great. That's why I think like, you know, all the students need to see themselves in those roles and that way they can aspire to be those positions. Cause when you don't see yourself in those roles, then you think that, Oh, that's not for me. And you know, education is for everyone. And I want to see everyone represented in education. So, right. And it yeah. actually like does make a big difference, like even with academics or whatever metric that you're looking at. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's, a, you know, I always ask myself this question because, uh, like what you were just saying, like you you hadn't had a uh, African-American teacher till college. Like when I was in Texas, many of my teachers were African-American. But when I went to high school, like I said, high school wasn't really talked about in my household. Yeah. And 98 percent of my teachers were white. Uh, I had one black driver's ed teacher, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, other than that. Yeah. And um, but my GPA was like, you know, 3.4, 3.6, somewhere around there. Yeah. And um. You know, the one person who actually got me to college was an African-American counselor who was like, hey, I see so much potential in you. You're a young man with a 3.4 GPA and you haven't filled out one college application. So I'm not going to let you leave this office till you do. And having that one conversation with me changed my whole life, man. And I just, you know, I want to see more people build relationships with students, you know, that look like them and don't look like them. Yeah. So because it really changed the trajectory because me going to college because of her allowed me to then, um, influenced my mom to finish college because she dropped out of college because she had me. So once oh, no I got kidding. my degree, yeah, once I got my degree, then I talked to my mom, you know, and she went and got her degree and she she started doing social work. So Oh, you she know, did social it, work too. That's why. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I mean, I mean it really had a life-changing impact. So it's just, you know, and just seeing that and having to experience that, I just want so many other people to 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 experience the same thing so that they can reach their pinnacle of success or just, you know, have some longevity um, that's not rooted in consequences, but rooted in how you, you know, uh, wanted your life to be. Can't get away with, 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 with much in your household with everyone with their social, emotional and their therapy yeah. training. <laughs> they, they will call you out. No. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right, man, man. Well, hey, again, it's, it's more than a pleasure to, to get, have you back on the show. One of the, again, what, rarefied air with a returning guest to the, the illustrious teacher's lounge is a big deal. But we got to hopefully, you know, maybe this time next year, we got to get you back on. Yes, sir. Sounds good. All right. Sounds good. Can, can you end us on a, on a good quote to send us off into the day with? Oh, yeah. And this kind of ties into this Wiz and the Crickety Critics. So the, the quote is, and this has to do with criticism. So they say ships don't sink because of the water around them. They sink because of the water that gets inside. That's the same way with criticism. So don't let those critical thoughts get you. You know, don't let that doubt or that fear sink in and start to germinate. You know, you stay strong. You stay solid. Let the criticism occur around you, but never inside of you. Thanks so much for listening to Teacher's Lounge. As always, feel free to nominate a teacher in your life to be on our show. It's how we get great guests like Rian. Send them our way to teacherslounge at niu.edu. And wherever you're hearing this podcast, please do subscribe or leave us a rating. Share with a friend. If you like what you do, it really is the best way for us to get even more perspectives on the show. 
You can subscribe to the Teacher's Lounge newsletter to keep up to date with everything having to do with the show, and you can find the link to do that on this episode's webpage over at WNIJ.org. A big thank you to the Northern Illinois band Kind Ups for the amazing music you hear every single episode. And I've been your host, Peter Medlin, and we'll be back with more Teacher's Lounge very soon. See ya.